Good morning. Welcome to worship on this first Sunday after Christmas. And today we especially look at the miracle of the Incarnation, the fact that God himself has taken on our humanity. On this last day of the year, we also have four adult confirmations, uh, Travis and Ventura Ulrich, and then Josh and his mother Ingrid Christman. So lots to celebrate today. The opening service, or the order of service, is laid out for you in your service folder. We'll begin with our opening hymn, number 56, and then continue in the front part of your red hymnal on page 26. God bless your worship. Continue on page 26 in the front part of your red hymnal. Please rise. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. God invites us to come into his presence and worship him with humble and penitent hearts. Therefore, let us acknowledge our sinfulness and ask him to forgive us. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful, and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil, and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given His only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by His authority, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. For all that we need in life, and for the wisdom to use all your gifts with gratitude and joy, hear our prayer, O Lord. 
the steadfast assurance that nothing can separate us from your love, and for the courage to stand firm against the assaults of Satan and every evil. Hear our prayer, O Christ. For the well-being of your holy church and all the world, and for those who offer here their worship and praise, hear our prayer, O Lord. Merciful God, maker and preserver of life, uphold us by your power and keep us in your tender care. The works of the Lord are great and glorious. His name is worthy of praise. reading from Isaiah chapter 52. We see that God has kept his word. Hidden in the lowliness of the manger is the glory of God for our salvation. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of a herald who proclaims peace and preaches good news, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God is king. The voice of your watchmen. They lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy because with both eyes they will see it when the Lord returns to Zion. Break out, shout for joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, because the Lord is comforting his people. He is redeeming Jerusalem. The Lord lays bare his holy arm before the eyes of all nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue with our psalm for today, Psalm 98, as found on page 103.
our second reading from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 1. In the manger, we see eternal God in the form of a baby. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers by the prophets at many times and in many ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of the divine nature. He sustains all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he took his seat at the right hand of the majesty on high. The Son became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my Son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be his father, and he will be my son. And again, when he brought his firstborn into the world, he said, Let all God's angels worship him. About the angels, he says, he makes his messengers winds, and his ministers flaming fire. But about the son, he says, God, your throne is forever and ever, and the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness, Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. Our theme verse is printed for you there. Alleluia. When the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law. Alleluia. chapter 1. As the manger in the virgin's arms held him whom the heaven of heavens cannot contain, so we too recognize and receive him who has come in human flesh and blood to dwell in us through the word sacrament. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him everything was made, and without him not one thing was made that has been made. In him was life. And the light was the light of mankind. The light is shining in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as an eyewitness to testify about the light, so that everyone would believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The real light that shines on everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to what was his own, yet his own people did not accept him. But to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. They were born, not of blood, or of the desire of the flesh, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh, and dwelled among us. We have seen his glory, the glory he has as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus. You may be seated for our hymn of the day, number 35.
Dear fellow redeemed, we consider especially our reading from Hebrews chapter 1. The angels led the way. The angels led the way to praise as they, as they announced, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to mankind. And they led the way as, as they announced the most beautiful truth, the most wonderful miracle that has ever, ever occurred. The fact that God now was with us. Glory to God in highest heaven. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. And the shepherds hurried off in response to their praise, and they found exactly the child that they had been singing about. They found Jesus, yes, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, the one lying in the manger, the King of glory and the King of peace, because he is both. He is both at every point and at every time. He is both Lord over all, deserving of all glory and power, majesty and honor, and at the same time, He is the Lord of peace, who came to bring peace for you and for me. And if you keep reading there in Luke's account, you see, and in Matthew's account, you see that that peace was soon shattered. When murderous King Herod thinks to himself and remembers, oh, those wise men, those magi, said something about a king of the Jews. And the king Herod, who couldn't even tolerate his own family members and put a few of them to death, he said, well, let's just dismiss this problem as quickly as we can and as thoroughly as we can. The king of glory, the king of peace, the radiance of God's glory clothed in humility, almost killed. And the stillness of Christmas would eventually, it wouldn't take too long, the stillness of Christmas would soon be broken by strife. You and I understand that. And we see that, and we recognize that, and we no doubt, if you look closely enough, we see our own reflection of our Christian lives in that life of Jesus. When when infant and young child Jesus is taken away to Egypt in the middle of the night, as the world cries out in persecution against him and his followers, we know from experience exactly what John had talked about, that the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Jesus came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And when we see Jesus going back and eventually... 30 years later begins preaching and some rejoice and receive his word with joy and gladness and it's almost like you see see the faint glimmer of Christmas shining through in the everyday life and ministry of Jesus Christ but as often as he is received it seems nearly as often he is rejected and that's not a surprise because the way the writer to the Hebrews puts it, he says to people, who, to people who were living in a pagan world, to people who had really hitched their buggy to the Jesus train, to people who were wondering, is all of this effort worth it? The writer to the Hebrews takes their eyes and directs their gaze back to the manger, back to the radiance of God's glory, clothed in humility clothed in flesh. Look at, look at how he says and speaks. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers by the prophets at many times and in various ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And you begin to see that when you, you think of baby Jesus in the manger, and you think of child Jesus at the temple, and you think of grown-up Jesus beginning his public ministry, as we'll hear about this next month. You see that he is two things at once. And as you contemplate it and look at it a little bit more closely, it sounds almost, almost too good to be true. The radiance of God, clothed in humility. The radiance of God, really? I mean, you're running off to Egypt? 
Why don't you just strike Herod's army down with a divine thunderbolt or maybe an angel blocking the way? The readings of God's glory? And you, you let your own hometown, the people that, that he had gone to Sabbath with for so long, he let his own hometown reject him. Is this really the same God who could not reveal himself to Moses face to face? Is this really the same God who, who opened up the ground underneath Korah, Nathan, and Abiram? Or the same God who sent out fire from the Holy of Holies to burn up Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's two sons? Remember them. They had gone into the presence of God, and they didn't even see God face to face. They were just somewhere they weren't supposed to be, and possibly had too much to drink at the time. And God burned them up. But in the life of Jesus, we see we see Mary and Joseph caring for this baby and needing to take care of him because he needs to be fed and changed at birth. And he needs to learn how to speak and he needs to sit at the temple at the catechism class of his day at the feet of these teachers when he is about 12 years old and learn the Holy Scriptures and memorize them for himself. This is the God who is the author of Scripture, the radiance of God's glory here. And what sort of a God? What sort of a God comes to the place where people are supposed to meet him and he is rejected? And that, that all sounds well and good, and we kind of wrestle with that conundrum, perhaps. The radiance of God's glory, clothed in humility. But it's not just some far-off, philosophical, detached-from-me kind of event. You think about your own life. I'm a Christian, you might think. But my conscience, even though my mind knows what the scriptures say... And even though I've got these, these truths that I can cling to and that I repeat and that I've known for so long, at the same time, my conscience and my heart still accuse me. Even though I hear God's declaration of not guilty, I don't feel like it. You ever been there? Where, where there's this disconnect between what we know to be true as an objective fact, and we can celebrate that with, with all the joy of Christmas morning, Easter morning, or Pentecost 22. And at the same time, at the same time, in the rest of our week, or in the rest of our days, we see a disconnect. And it feels as though God is so far off, and God has had so much to say in His law that I just can't silence it enough. I don't have enough enough shields to throw up when the devil throws his flaming arrows my way. And we think to ourselves, well, maybe perhaps, perhaps if I had been there on the, the hills of Bethlehem, stood there cowering with the shepherds, or held this little you know, six-pound Jewish baby in my hands, or perhaps if I had run through the, been staying there in Bethlehem and heard the running through the streets, the Messiah is born, the Messiah is born, and seeing him myself. Or perhaps if I had been standing there at the temple when Simeon announced, here is the Messiah, Lord, now dismiss your servant in peace. Or when Anna came over and took him in her arms. Then maybe, just maybe, I would have finally that last little bit of experience to combat the feelings. You know what those feelings are, of course. God gave his natural knowledge of the law for a very good purpose so that people would have their consciences accuse them and have their consciences tell them here is what God's law is and here is how we have deviated from it with the purpose that you and I would perhaps reach out and find this Jesus. But we couldn't. That's just the nature of things. That our guilt and our blindness is so absolutely thorough that we won't be able to find Jesus on our own. And so he comes to us. And the guilt that we have inherited is so thoroughgoing that we wouldn't be able to even approach him were he to come to us. And so he clothes his radiance in humility. The very Son of God 
from eternity with no beginning, eternally begotten with Father. Having this relationship between first and second person of the Trinity as close as Father and Son, but both without beginning and without end. That eternal Son of God, who alone dwells in unapproachable light, came to be the baby in the manger for you. And when the angels appear and flick on the light switch outside of Bethlehem, and the shepherds are cowering in fear and terror, you got to picture this. The sun is as much superior to the angels as the name he has is more excellent than theirs. And yet, even though they cowered before the angels, they went to the manger and they saw Jesus and they got to hold him, the eternal Son of God, in their hands in the flesh. And for what purpose? So that he could provide purification for all sins. That is to say, that he could offer his blood and his life to wash you clean. To wash away all of the guilt and all of the law that stands against you and me. And to credit to you and to me his perfect life as he lived through all the stages of human life. From the very beginning, all the way up into that day of ascension. And frankly, your life and mine is going to mirror, going to mirror his life from, you know, from, from Bethlehem to the cross. At least your Christian life, as long as you've got faith in this body and, and breath in this body, your life will mirror Christ's from Bethlehem to the cross. Sometimes feelings of success, and sometimes success that you can quantify. Sometimes it's it's finally conquering a sin that had that had tripped you up so many times. And sometimes the rejection, the persecution, the wondering, the doubt. And to all that, the writer to the Hebrews takes us back to the manger and says, Look at your God. See his radiance clothed here in humility. Where God has elevated your humanity. This is, this is, this is kind of a nebulous concept, but not really. That God gave himself for you and has flesh and bones just as you and I do. And just as he was raised from the dead and now, and now dwells with all things under his feet, he always had that. It's kind of what the writer to the Hebrews here does. He says, Jesus is the eternal Son of God, and he's got this name and this power and this glory above all. And he says, look at the radiance of God's glory, clothed in humility, that Jesus Christ took on our humanity, and he took it on in such a humble way that he was rejected nearly continuously, and he allowed himself to be crucified. And he now dwells with all things under his feet, as God and man, as your brother and mine, God in the flesh, the one who who kicked Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden so that they wouldn't, you know, live forever in a world of sin. That God took on their humanity to elevate yours and mine so that we would be like him. Not God's, of course, because the writer says that the name of Jesus is above every name and even above the name of the angels, but that you and I would be like him. That is, forever in the presence of God, in righteousness and holiness forever, body and soul. Look at the, the very final quote. God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. Companions. A little bit later in the book, he calls, um, talks about Jesus calling us his brothers and sisters. That, that he shares our humanity in such a way so that you and I would have forever with him. And that is the glory of Christian life. But even now, it's that same radiance, that same perfection, clothed in humility. That at the same time, God's declaration of sins absolutely forgiven and washed away, 
it is clothed in the humility that is hindered by the sinful flesh, yeah, we still have to deal with it. The sinful flesh that leads us further into sin, and the humility that doubts, does God love me? What is God doing? And why does it always feel like I did it again? That, once again, it's pretty simple. The one who clothed his radiance in humility has provided himself as purification for all sin. All sin. And think of it this way. It's one of my favorite stories, so I wouldn't be surprised if you've heard it before. But um, let's say for his birthday, a little boy got a boat kit. And he had to make this little boat. And he spent time putting it together and gluing and tying and painting and lacquering. And finally, finally, he had this boat. And he said, well, it's a, it's a boat, but I don't want it to just sit on my shelf. I want it to be a real boat, right? And so he takes it down to the, the lake, the river at the end of, edge of town, and he puts it in the water. And he hits floating. It's floating. And he ties a little string to it and pulls it along, and it's floating. It's a real boat. Look at it go. And then the current comes along, and the string slips out of his hand. His boat. He chased after it, he couldn't find it, and it seemed to be lost. What happened to my boat? Until a few weeks later, when he was walking through town, obviously it was summertime, not a cold day like today. He was walking through town, and he sees there in the window of this resale shop, he sees this beautiful, beautiful little boat that looked just like his, all cleaned up. He went in to look at it, then looked at the bottom, and there were his, were his initials. And he said to the shopkeeper, Sir, I'd like to buy that boat in the window. It's mine. I've got my name on it. And the shopkeeper said, I, I see that, but you do realize I put a price tag on it. $5, $10. Goes home, empties out his piggy bank, does a few more chores, maybe picks up, sells some lemonade for a while. Goes back. Says, Here's the money slaps it on the counter. Walks out the door that day. I've got you. My boat. You're twice mine. I made you, and then I bought you. That's exactly what Jesus has done. The radiance of God, clothed in humility, is that God made you and me to dwell with him forever. And lost in the current of sin washed away from the grip of God and totally should have been dismissed and flushed down the rest of the sewer the rest of the way, lost in the ocean and destroyed, God said no. And so he went to work to win you and me back. And he did this. He did this by coming up with the perfect payment, not of always allowance and lemonade earnings, but the perfect payment of his own life. Of himself. And so he says, you know, God, your God, has anointed him, Jesus Christ, the radiance of God, clothed in humility, anointed him above all, because he has bought back and made you his companions once more. God's radiance, clothed in humility. God's radiance, clothed in the humility of souls and lives, bought back at the baptismal font and through the word. The radiance of God's glory clothed in the humility of words and sacrament spoken and received. Thanks be to God. Because the radiance of God clothed in his humility will eventually have that curtain of humility lifted. It will eventually have the lives and bodies of his bought and paid for children perfected. And one day, with your very own eyes, you will see the entire purpose and the entire radiance that God has promised. No longer in humility, but in the perfect glory of the one who has made you his companion, of the one who has come to share your humanity, and of the one who has said, Dear friend, welcome to this eternal Merry Christmas, where there is no need to be to cower before the glory of God, but rather to join with the song of the saints and angels. Glory to God in the highest. And peace. Goodwill. Amen.
Please rise. And now may the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We continue with the Nicene Creed as found on page 31 in the front part of your ready. The Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father of the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We love the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. <laughs> Brothers and sisters in Christ, our Lord Jesus said to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In obedience to the Lord's command, you have been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You have been taught the precious truths of the Christian faith, as confessed by the Evangelical Lutheran Church. You know what God has given to you by His grace, and what He expects of you as His dear child. You now have the privilege of receiving the Lord's body and blood in the sacrament of Holy Communion with us. You are here to make a public profession of your Christian faith. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Romans, said, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Therefore, lift up your hearts to the God of all grace and joyfully answer these questions. You this day in the presence of God and of this congregation acknowledge that in baptism God gave you forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. 
If so, answer, I do. Do you reject the devil along with all his lies and empty promises? If so, answer, I do. Do you believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit as confessed in the Nicene Creed today? If so, answer, I do. Do you believe all the books of the Bible to be the inspired Word of God? If so, answer, I do. Do you believe that the teachings of the Evangelical Lutheran Church, as you have learned to know it from our study of the small catechism, is faithful and true to the Word of God? If so, answer, I do. Do you intend to continue steadfast in this teaching and to endure all things, even ridicule, bullying, and death, rather than fall away from it? If so, answer, I do, and I ask God to help me. Do you intend faithfully to conform all your life to the teachings of God's Word, to be faithful in the use of word and sacrament, and in faith and action remain true to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as long as you live? If so, answer, I do, and I ask God to help me. And dear congregation, since it is God alone who enables us both to will and to do His good pleasure, it is right for us, dear friends in Christ, to call on Him for these confirmands, that he would graciously complete the good work which he has begun in them. Let us therefore bow our heads and pray. Almighty God, in baptism you made these brothers and sisters, members of the body of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. You washed them by his blood, buried them with him in his death, and gave them a new life in his resurrection. Renew them by the Holy Spirit which you have poured out on them generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. Let them live out their lives as heirs of eternal life. Lead them to serve your church in holiness and righteousness all their days. Keep them in fellowship with all who wait for the return of our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, what we as a congregation have here asked of our Heavenly Father to confer on all of you, we now ask him to give each of you individually. Ventura Ulrich, John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Travis Ulrich, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Ingrid Christman, John 10, verses 27 and 28. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. And Josh, Christman. Joshua 1, verse 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Dear comrades, your church now invites you to receive the sacrament of the Lord's body and blood as often as it is offered. Accept this invitation with deep reverence and holy joy. Regard your fellowship with the other members of this congregation as expressed in communion together at the Lord's table as a precious privilege given to you by God through his church. May the Almighty and Merciful God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and keep you. You can return to your seats. The congregation is invited to please rise for prayer. Jesus Christ, we lift up our hearts with thanksgiving and praise. Through the blood of your covenant, you have made us worthy to receive your holy supper. You join us with believers throughout the world and throughout the ages by your body and blood given for us. In this sacrament, time and eternity meet as we celebrate a foretaste of the feast now enjoyed by all who are in heavenly glory. As we receive your true body and blood, we rejoice in our salvation through you, who with the Father and the Holy Spirit are one God, now and forever. And we join to pray. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We continue on page 33 in the front part of your red hymnal. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In love he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. When the time had fully come, he sent his Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and thanks and honor and glory forever and ever. saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Savior Jesus Christ, 
given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sin. Take and drink. Now may this true body and blood of our Savior strengthen and preserve you in the true faith until life everlasting. Depart at peace with God, saints forgive. Amen.
continue with our song of thanksgiving on page 36. Please rise. shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. You may be seated for our closing hymn.
Jerusalem the golden. Thanks for listening to Green Pastures with Jesus, the audio home of Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church of Fairmont, Minnesota. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our website, www.shepherdofthelakes.net. Pass that along to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archive section at our website for previous podcasts. You can find us 9.30 a.m. Sunday mornings at 323 East 1st Street in Fairmont, just up the hill from Richard's Towing. Any questions, contact me, Pastor Hagen, 507-236-9572. God bless your day. God bless beyond compare.